Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 19th of August, 2020. Today, we begin our journey through the book of Job. Now, in some ways, the story of this man named Job is one of the most familiar and well-known stories in the Bible. Even I could remember my dad talking about having to read the book of Job in his high school English class before he had ever even heard the gospel or really read any other parts of the Bible. And we're familiar with this story of this man who is tested, who loses it all. And then in the end, he, he regains it all again. But at the same time, the book of Job can be a difficult book. Because really, most people, they're very familiar. And even one of the most popular worship songs of our time comes from the beginning of Job. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and take away. Uh, and worshiping God, no matter what is going on in our lives. We're very familiar with the first two chapters, and then really the the end of the story when so much of what Job lost, even yeah, many of the things that he regains double what it was that he lost. But even what I wanted to, to notice today is in these first two chapters, which are very familiar, and then we'll get into the third chapter, uh, I want us to notice something here where it's familiar, because that will help us when we start getting into the dialogue. Uh, because chapters one and two tell the story, really, and it, it happens in with God and with Satan, and uh, Satan challenging, hey, this Job guy, he just loves you because he's got everything he could ever want. And God allowing Satan to test Job and all this calamity befalls Job. But then even more familiar with this part of the story, Job's friends show up and they start trying to counsel Job and it's not very good counsel. And there is a very long, most of the book is a back and forth between Job and his friends. And that can be confusing, but I think as we go through it together, hopefully we'll be able to glean from it. Hopefully we'll be able to make sense of it. But one thing that is just essential, I think, to understanding the book of Job, we have to to consider here at the beginning. There's a line that we can't miss, and it's in chapter 1 and verse 9 right? This is from the beginning. Even God is saying, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him, you know, that he is a blameless and upright guy. But then look at uh, verse nine there in chapter one, it says, then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a head around a hedge around him and blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and have increased in the land? But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand, only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So that line that Satan responds to God with, I think is one of the key lines in this book. Does Job fear God for no reason? And really, I think one of the most fundamental questions that the book of Job is going to be asking and answering is, is it worth it 
to follow God. Because what Satan is starting to hit on here is, hey, he's only following you because you're giving him everything he could ever want. If you take that away, he's not going to follow you. And that's really where we start to get, is following God worth it for God's sake alone? Even if we were to lose everything, is it still worth it to follow God? And that's going to be a very compelling question. That's really where I think the friends are going to get off course because they're actually almost buying into Satan's mindset here that, hey, Job, if you are doing the right thing, everything's going to go well. And if all this bad stuff has happened to you, then you must be in sin. That's what we're going to see their counsel ends up being. And they end up getting rebuked by God for uh, this bad counsel because they're basically buying into what Satan is saying with, hey, if you follow God, everything's going to be all right in your life. Everything's just going to be fine when that's really not what the Bible teaches at all. But what we see throughout the scriptures is it's still worth it to follow God. So I want to just put that on your radar here as we're reading the familiar portion uh, so that then we can really unpack that when we start getting into the back and forth between Job and his friends as they're not giving him wise counsel, we'll see that same theme uh, really come together. Just one other verse to highlight there in chapter two, when his wife tells him, curse God and die. But still, even though the most central person in his life is encouraging him to give up In verse 10 of chapter 2, Job says, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? That's an important question for us to ask ourselves. Will we receive good from God but not receive evil? Are we going to receive the good things? Oh, God is good. Even think about that phrase. God is good. Well, guess what? The other phrase that we say a lot, God is good. How does the phrase go? All the time. And all the time, God is good. So that means when things are going well, God is good. And when things are not going well, guess what? God is good. But it's easier for us to acknowledge that, you know, as the song says, when the sun sun is shining down on me, when the world is all as it should be, blessed be your name. We need to often grow in saying, blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. I mean, even I was convicted by this last night. I was uh, ordering some some food at a local restaurant and the, the, the service was, was not very good. And they ended up uh, getting something that I'd ordered wrong. And instantly I kind of in, in this grumpy mood about it. And the words of Job are ringing then in my ears. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And here is some, you know, petty little thing, some small little thing in the grand scheme of things. And there I was being quick to get upset about it. And how many times are we quick to get upset about little things? But even in the big things, the really hard things of life, tragedy, the death of a loved one, uh, financial ruin. This is all what Job is experiencing. Chronic health problems. Even in that, he says, I'm going to receive that from God. And that's a good reminder for us. Everything that is going on in your life today is something that God is directing in your path. Shall we not receive good from God and also receive evil? Let's think about that. And that's where Job does set a good example for us. 
And it says there, even at the end of that verse, and all this Job did not sin with his lips. May we follow that example. But we do see Job is going through a hard time. That's what chapter three, he, he really is just grieving. And, and you sense, I think that's another thing that it's easy for us maybe to look at some of Job's answers in chapter one and two and say, Job is just like, he's beyond me. And I think chapter three starts to open the door of, hey, this wasn't some rosy world where he's just sitting there with his harp saying, hey, it doesn't matter. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And I'm just having a great time, even though all my kids have died. No, read chapter three. He is down in the dumps. So he's not just putting on a happy face. No, he is feeling it. And he is hurt. He is low. He is grieving. He's even, seems like despairing. But it's even in the midst of that, that he's saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. So let's not just write this off as Job. Oh, he's some happy, you know, always happy guy. No, read chapter three. He's, he's not happy in this moment. And I'm really excited to continue going through the book of Job uh, together. And I think we're going to learn more than we even expect uh, from the parts that aren't super familiar to us. Well, let's go to the New Testament now. And the rest of the passages, like we talked about yesterday, I want to get back even onto this idea of the coming of the Lord, um, the idea of eschatology. And even in in chapter five, we're reminded it, it describes the Lord's coming like a thief in the night. Uh, but then it, it gives us this challenge that we look at verse eight, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we should have an awareness as Christians uh, that, that Christ is coming back. We should not be lulled to sleep in our morals, in our ministry, in anything in our life. We should be awake. And that starts with having faith, love, and hope. That's the trio of things that we started this book with, faith, hope, and love. Uh, with a trio of things we th- see throughout scripture. And again, I think it would be wise for us to look at the world around us and even say, mm, this is going like the Bible says it's going to go. It's going to get worse and Jesus is going to come back and we want to be ready. Let's not be caught sleeping. Let's be awake and awake. I think it's going to look like us. Hey, we want to be ready living like Christ has told us to live. And we, that means we, we should be doing the mission that he has told us to do. And I hope that encourages us because we should have a sense that Christ is coming soon. As we look at Luke chapter 12, verses 49 to the end of the chapter, we see Jesus rebuking them, even saying, hey, can't you guys interpret the signs? You know, when you see a cloud, don't you know that rain is coming? Well, how can you not look around at the world and see what's happening around you? And I think that he's rebuking them. How can you not tell the Messiah is here? Come on. I am the Messiah. How can you not see what is happening right in front of your face? Well, I think for us, we need to be open and saying, hey, Jesus is coming back. He promised that. Let's be ready. Let's keep our eyes open. And there's that last part at the end of uh, chapter 12 there in Luke, where it says, and why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. 
Now that sounds like something in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about really going and reconciling with your brother and doing that quickly. Well, this sounds similar to that, but I want you to notice, I think it's different than that. He's not saying, hey, go make things right with your brother right now. I think the idea is make things right with God, that the judge is coming and Jesus is coming back and you need to be ready. So make it right now. And I think ultimately this would be a call to salvation. And maybe this causes us to pray for some people in our lives that need to get saved. But also this should be just another call for us to be alert, to be awake. And that really brings me to the end here in Psalm 99, our last passage that we'll talk about today. And it talks about God being the king, people trembling, and it talks about Moses and Aaron. But it says something very interesting in verse 8. It says, O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. That's a very interesting thing saying, talking even about Moses and Aaron and saying that God was a forgiving God to them, but also saying that he was an avenger of their wrongdoings. What does that mean? Well, think ultimately we, we, we see Moses and he's someone that knew the faithfulness and the love of God, you know, 40 years leading the people through the wilderness. He, he was someone that talked to God, you know, so much that his face, it says, would glow when he would leave the tent. But at the same time, was Moses allowed to enter the promised land? No, he he did not get a chance to. And that was punishment for when he struck the rock instead of obeying God and speaking to the rock. So even we see God was faithful to Moses. God was good to Moses, but still God didn't sweep Moses' sin under the rug. And there's something for us to learn there. And I think we can struggle with a verse like this. And I think we need to realize God forgives our sin, but that does not mean that God is not taking sin seriously and that he won't deal with sin in our lives. And both of those things are true and we need to hold on to both of those things. It's easy to fall off the ditch on one side or the other. And for you, us just to think, oh, God's so forgiving and really start thinking that God doesn't take our sin seriously. He does. It's also possible to get on the other side and just view God as this cosmic grouch that's out to get us for our sin and really forgets, no, God is a forgiving and loving and faithful God. So I don't know which maybe side of the, the, which, which ditch, which side of the road you tend to fall off on, but that's something for us to maybe think about in our own lives. Are we, we should be aware of two things at the same time, that we serve a God who is forgiving, who is full of steadfast love, who is totally faithful. And we also serve a God who takes sin seriously. And to put it in a very simple way for us, he's not going to let us get away with it. And we need to embrace both of those truths because I think both of them will help us as we seek to live the Christian life. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.